Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. This show is designed to help small business owners, salespeople, and aspiring entrepreneurs master every aspect of business success. We've got a great lineup of guests and topics scheduled for you. We'll be talking about everything from sales to employee issues, from technology to social media, from work-life balance to exploring uncharted territory. Participation is welcome and encouraged. Your host, Diane Helbig, is a world-class author, speaker, and business development coach. Be sure to check out her latest book, Lemonade Stands Selling, on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. And now, on with the show. Well, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are today. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, As we said, we welcome your input. So if you are in the chat room, feel free to type something into the chat box, and I'll be sure to read it out loud to our guest. Uh, If you are on the phone, you can press 1. That will let me know that you uh, have something to say or a question to ask, and I'll unmute you so you can do that. Uh, Today's show is sponsored by Win Cleveland and Vision 21. Win Cleveland is an organization that empowers female professionals by creating new access points for individual business development. They support one another by providing continual professional growth, sharing a wide variety of ideas and resources, and assisting select women-based charities within their community. Visit www.wincleveland.org for more information. Vision 21 was created to assist established and aspiring entrepreneurs successfully launch and grow small business enterprises throughout greater Cleveland. Uh, And you can visit www.vision21, that's all spelled out, vision21.org for details. I should mention um, in the interest of full disclosure that um, I'm one of the co-founders of Vision 21, so feel free to check it out. For today's show, my guest is Kurt Mortensen, the author of the book, The Laws of Charisma. Kurt is one of the world's leading authorities on persuasion, motivation, and influence with 20 years of experience as a highly sought-after consultant, trainer, seminar leader, and speaker. He excels at combining scientific research with real-world studies and timeless stories to inform, entertain, and inspire audiences. He has given presentations with Brian Tracy, Mark Victor Hansen, Tom Hopkins, and Les Brown. He's the author of Laws of Charisma, Maximum Influence, and Persuasion IQ. Kurt, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, it is great to have you here. I am so excited about this topic. Kurt and I were talking a little bit before the show started, and I was telling him how excited I am about this topic because charisma to me seems to be one of those, um, you know, some people have it, some people don't kind of things. So we're going to get into the meat of this research and what Kurt has found out and as I've said, feel free to participate in the conversation. Uh, chat room, type something in on the phone, press 1, and, and we'll unmute you and you can go. So, Kurt, in your new book, The Laws of Charisma, you describe charisma, and I'm going to say this exactly the way you've got it. You describe charisma as a vital success skill and the most important tool in the entire influence toolbox. So what makes it so powerful? It's one of those critical life skills that sometimes, well, every time, they don't teach us in school. We just pick it up. You know, we think we can get a college degree or start a business and be successful, and sometimes it doesn't happen. Or even worse, we meet some people along the way, and we say to ourselves, they don't seem that sharp, but we find out later they're earning 10 times more money than we're earning. Their business is growing faster. They're getting more promotions. What do they have that we don't have? And when you look at really successful people, they have the ability to influence, they have charisma, they have the ability to persuade others, and we all persuade for a living. As parents, teachers, leaders, managers, entrepreneurs, one of the critical success skills in life, a vital success skill, is persuasion. In fact, Napoleon Hill, author of Think and Grow Rich, said persuasion, when he interviewed all those millionaires, he said persuasion is the magic ingredient. It is a critical skill. We're wondering what's taking so long to be successful, to get the promotion, to grow your business. A lot of times it comes back to influence and charisma. Wow. 
so it's not necessarily um, the technician part of it, you know, the what you know, mm-hmm. or even necessarily the who you know. It's how can you influence others? It is. Well, the who you know is always important, because, of the, and that's a function of charisma, too. Yeah, and right. the what you know is important, but here are the brutal facts, and I don't think we're here to sugarcoat it. <laughs> but when you look at success in business, there are two studies that are important here. That success in business, 80 or 15% comes back to your core competence. That's what you know, and that's important. You need to know that. Right. But the other 85% are the people skills, the persuasion skills, the ability to motivate yourself, the ability to motivate other people. And when you look at small business in general, there were some fascinating studies done by Dun and Bradstreet and the Small Business Administration. What they found out is in the United States, a lot of businesses will fail after five years. Right. And they were scratching their heads saying, well, wait a minute. This is a great country to start a business. We're giving all these tools. These people are making it. These people aren't. What's the difference? And they spent independently spent millions of dollars to find it. Okay, what is it? What's going on? And I hope you're sitting down. Here's the research. <laughs> they found out that most businesses fail because of a lack of sales. <laughs> well, <laughs> duh. <laughs> we could have told you that. Yeah, With without the millions million dollars, of dollars spent. Exactly. Right. It's the lack of sales, which is a function of influence and charisma and right. trust and people skills, those soft skills that they don't teach us in school. And that's why I'm so passionate about this. I spent all this money in a college degree, in a graduate degree, and they throw me out in the real world. I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> you look at the things that are so important in our life. That is just a small side note of maybe a few classes that we are rarely taught. And this is a big factor in people's success because it, it really hurts me to see people go out there and become entrepreneurs. And they put their heart and soul into it. And then after right. a few years they say, well, it didn't work. I'm like, no, 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 time out. It didn't work for you. Here are millions of millionaires, successful business owners. It works. You just need to have the fundamental and the skills and the, and the persuasion skills to be successful. So this is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you, because I, I have that same um, angst over so many of these people going into business and then failing when they could have succeeded if they, you know, it's one of the reasons I wrote the book that I wrote about sales, because you're right. I mean, they don't sell because they don't know how, but, you know, then with your book, I'm realizing it's also because they're not really understanding how to have those people skills and that influence and and that you know well the charisma really to be able to connect all of those dots so that they can be successful it, it's it's that same you know for me there was that connection there i thought okay wait a minute you know that probably comes before the actual mechanics of sales is the the how do you communicate kind of thing you know how do you respond to other people and interact with other people. And that's a big key, and that's what my research shows, because after I was thrown into the business world, getting a business degree and realizing this is a critical skill, I went and read the books and the seminars, and 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 what they taught me just didn't resonate with me. They would yeah. go out, they, they teach me closing skills. I'm like, really? Right. I mean, right. the reality is closing skills is like trying to get a kiss after a bad date. Right. I mean, come on. If they don't <laughs> like you and they don't trust you, a clever phrase isn't going to help you out. So I went back to the drawing board to figure out, okay, what is true charisma or influence? And here's the the, just the overwhelming thing, I guess the number that's very important as part of our conversation and being successful in business and in life is that up to 95% of all influence involves a subconscious trigger, meaning it's a Um. feeling. When business, when you call somebody, you meet someone for the first time, you have less than 30 seconds to connect with that person, build the trust. It doesn't matter where it's fair or not, whether why they're judging right. you or what's happening. They're categorizing you, and if they don't like you and they don't trust you, it's not going to matter. And it could be a smell. It could be a color. It could be a word choice. It could be a gesture. All these things come into play with these feelings because think about it. In 30 seconds, we've put this person into a, yeah. a category, we've judged them, and they're doing the same thing to you. And if we don't understand what's happening in that first 30 seconds, we could lose a great customer for life. Yeah, that's that's really, that's fascinating. And I didn't realize that 95% number, that that's, that, that's subcon- yeah, huge, I mean, tremendously dramatic. So 
Now, you have a definition of charisma that I'd appreciate it if you would share with our listeners. Well, charisma is an interesting thing, and I wasn't my favorite word at the time yeah. as far as, okay, what is it? I was trying to research, what is it about somebody that you want to be around, okay, and uh-huh. you want to be influenced by, you want to help out, you want to serve, what is that word? And we have a lot of different words and things happening and you know the definition is the ability to easily build rapport to effectively influence others basically bottom line is to get others to want to do what you want them to do and like doing it so it's funny it reminds me of a quote that harry truman i think said about leadership which is telling people to go to hell and making them want to go (laughs) And when you have that respect or that charisma, people can take that. Yeah. We, then, and that's okay. That relationship's there. If you were have been a manager your whole life or the boss your whole life and never were a true leader, then that will backfire on you. But right. when that relationship is there, then you can do that. Interesting. Okay, so <laughs> here's the big question. Are people born with it or can it be learned? Or, you know, either or. It's actually probably a little of both. I think the the most important thing for your listeners is to understand any aspect of charisma can and must be learned. That's the easy way out. Well, I can't sell. I can't talk on the phone. I'm not a people person. I'm not charismatic. No, anything can be learned. These can be learned. Now, some you're naturally better than others, and, and you've learned that along the way, and some your your greatest weakness you can learn and you can grow and so it absolutely charisma can be learned. Okay, great. Now we have someone on the phone who either wants to ask a question or share something with us. So, hi, you're on the air. Hi. Yeah, I was uh, just thinking about my experience with the word charisma and a couple of things come to my mind and I'd like to to get Kurt's reaction. Sure. I remember uh, vividly when JFK was running for office. It shows how old I am. <clears throat> I was in high school, and he was running for senator, and they said JFK had charisma. And when I think about JFK, he was good-looking, he had a command, he had a personality, he had gravitas. And so when I think of charisma, I think of it intangible. I don't think of necessarily a skill. Huh. I think of a pers- some personality charm. And I don't think I don't think that kind of charm is something you pick up in a class or a seminar. I think it's who you are. So I'm having a little problem. I'm having yeah. a little problem with this being a skill. Great, as opposed Kurt. to charm. No, so that's a great question. To that, that's, Kurt? No, that's a great question. And the answer is it's a little bit of both. It is who you are. Your self charisma, but it's also if we categorize it in the different areas, if you look at your your presence, for example, your core qualities and who you are, it's your passion, your confidence, are you congruent, are you optimistic, do you have energy, that would be your core qualities. That is who you are. That's a, that is a huge aspect of charisma. But then we go above and beyond that, too, is your ability to speak, your presentation skills, your people skills, and your ability to develop rapport with others, or your ability to empower others and motivate others through inspiration, through your vision, through your credibility, so I would say it's a little bit of both. It yeah. is definitely who you are on the inside, your presence, and, of course, those core qualities. But there's other things that you can add to that that will definitely enhance, becoming a better speaker, better presenter, enhancing your people skills, your ability to motivate others to want to do what you want them to do is also a factor of charisma. I was thinking about the uh, Ted, Ted uh, Williams that went viral recently, yeah. the homeless person. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, after he got a haircut, <laughs> you saw a little different side of him. But his velvet voice and his personality, I think he has a type of charisma. And, of course, many companies are trying to capitalize on that in the Today Show and many other shows because he was drawing people's attention. But I think it's his uniqueness. I think part of charisma seems to me is capitalizing on uniqueness. They say what what the, what uh, attracts people to YouTube is the naturalness of people. There's something captivating about people's people being themselves. And so part of my definition is 
is finding out what your uniqueness is and capitalizing on it and being your uniqueness. I find in Toastmasters, the people that are themselves are the most effective speakers. So there's oh, so yeah. there's a lot about authenticity in that, right, Kurt? Oh, you bet. And that's one of the, you know one of the things we focus on is being authentic, focusing on your strengths, being you. Uh, you know, this is this is all taking what works for you and what doesn't work for you. I mean, you look at Ted Williams and his voice, for example. That's unique to him. But then the reality is, the studies show that deeper voices like are more credible. They're more congruent and they uh-huh. radiate more charisma. And so you could go back and work on your voice, make it a little deeper, make it a little more profound, work on inflecting down instead of flecting up. I mean, we could spend an hour just talking about voice and persuasion. Yeah. But that's something that's natural to him, but that's also something that could be learned. Oh, that, who, do you think a, are, who do you think are some of the most charismatic people uh, around today? Oh, there's a question. I think there's... Probably a pretty big void there right now. I think I do too. The, big, the, the big factor is a lot of the difference between being a leader and being a manager, for example. Managers think they're charismatic, and that's the big one of the big challenges we focused at the very beginning is understanding what we call the, the self-perception bias is that 92% of all managers rate their managerial skills as above average. Okay, We know that's not true. 90% of all people rate their people skills above average. And even worse, 85% of high school seniors rate their driving skills as above average. <laughs> and so some people tend to rate themselves much higher than, than they actually are as far as, as far as doing I mean, you look at people like the coach of, like John Wooden was right. definitely charismatic. You You look at, you see this a lot in sports as far as, being able to do that, a lot of the CEOs will yeah. have that. You look at people that have confidence, for example. You, you Joe Namath would be one that would cross yeah. the line between confidence and cockiness. Yeah. And and so, people so can talk, I ask you a question about John Wooden for a minute? Do you think he sure. realized? How do you think he would have scored himself on charisma? Uh, a lot of times they tend to score themselves lower than they yeah. actually are. Yeah. You, you, you'll see that sometimes, but definitely. That, that's what I figured. I, I have a feeling that people who might be naturally charismatic don't necessarily really see the depth of that quality in themselves. Yeah, you look I, at uh, yeah, a lot of them are that way. But on the flip side, people like you know Tony Robbins who are charismatic, they yeah. will say, "Yes, I have it." <laughs> yeah. Right. And then there's sports figures like Lance Armstrong, who's very optimistic, tends to be very charismatic. And so, yeah. again, we're all our unique people. We customize to ourselves. We adapt our strengths and our weaknesses, and we'll see a lot of different pieces of charisma out there. Yeah. Well, thanks for the chance to ask the question. You bet. Thank My you. Pleasure. Thanks for calling. Thanks for participating. So let's go to uh, the four critical areas that people need to master in order to increase their charisma. One of the things that we notice with charisma, and I put them in tiny four categories, and that was my challenge too, is we know when someone's charismatic, but how do you really quantify that? How do you right. really put that on paper? And so what I found, as we mentioned, is that those core qualities, that inside, that inner charisma, and part of that too is we call it self-persuasion. If you can't persuade yourself, you're not very good at persuading other people. Self-discipline, oh, your competence. Uh, an interesting one that that, that that came up, too, was intuition. When you interview very successful people and CEOs, they, all, they, don't, they, they only tell you about it if you ask about it because a lot of people don't understand it, but they don't. ultimately they have to follow their heart, that instinct, that urge. Intuition is part of that core quality. Then your presence. When you walk into a room, do people notice or do you get lost through the cracks? which is a function of your passion, your confidence, are you congruent? The third one is your delivery and communication skills. Can you give a presentation? How do you come across over the phone? Do you have those people skills? And, and that's what people say, oh, yeah, I've heard people skills before, but do you, it's something that we really haven't mastered. I always ask people, you know that annoying person that nobody likes? You know that person that rubs you the wrong way? They're like, yes, I do. And I say, that could be you. They <laughs> get the blank stare because, sure, and that's one of the big blunders when we study influence is we tend to influence and persuade others how we like to be influenced. Sure, yeah. to, to persuade someone that's the same personality as ourselves—that's easy. 
But when you're charismatic, you have to resonate with every personality. You have to learn to adapt to customers. You have to learn to persuade them how they want to be persuaded. In public wow. speaking and those speaking skills, and previously I mentioned Toastmasters, all that's critical. The way you come across, well, again, whether it's one-on-one in front of a group, that's part of your charisma. And then the fourth area is empowering others. Are you the type of person that sucks the life out of people, that they can barely walk after you've talked to them? <laughs> Are you the type of person that energizes them through your vision, your credibility, by building their self-esteem? And that's a big thing. We a lot of people are so negative and so yeah. pessimistic that they can't be charismatic, and they don't even know it sometimes. We can go to a family gathering and sit next to Aunt Edna and, and not even talk to her. You can feel her sucking the life out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Every family has one, and you know them around you. But we looked at, at optimism. We looked at the ability to motivate others and that empowering aspect. Where after they've talked to you, they feel better about themselves. They can see themselves doing it. That is also a function of charisma. Wow. Well, that that's I mean, I listen to those and and I say, "Yep, yep, 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 yep." And then I stuff and I think, "Wow, you know, if I were someone who listened to that list and thought, "Okay, I need to work on that. I need to work on that." I, need, I mean, that could almost be overwhelming for somebody to Think that you know to, to look at all of those things and think you know I have to work on all of those things. So my question for you, because once I say that, then what comes to my mind next is, however, if someone starts working on it, like one of them, doesn't it naturally impact the others? Oh, absolutely, and that was the key that I wanted to focus on is. If you look at the whole thing as a whole, it's overwhelming and our brain turns off. But if you can choose. One skill a week. Okay, so this week I'm going to work on my my confidence. And here are the factors. Here are the keys. This is what I need to do. This is how I apply it. And that's why I set up the book the way it is. Let's use it. This is why it works. Here's what you do. Here's how you apply it. If you can do that a week and consciously do it for a week, you add it as another tool in your toolbox. So the next week you add another one. Or it could be day or depending on how fast you want to do it. Yeah, if you try to do all of them one day, it would be overwhelming. Right. You can just once a one a week or one a day or even one a month, whatever it was, then all of a sudden you're gaining those tools and then we become second nature to you. Yeah, and, and they really, then they end up building on each other. Now, um, this has been said a couple of times in here, the word passion. So I guess what I'd like to visit is, you know, the impact that passion has on someone's charisma and and how that um impacts them, you know, like when they're in a room. Like my sister is one of the most charismatic people I've ever known in my life. She walks in a room, she commands the room. She doesn't have to say a word. There's just something about her that is electric. And I'm and I'm not saying that because she's my sister. You know, I mean, I've I've watched her and I've watched other people respond to her. So, and she's when I look at her, you know, when I think about it, okay, she's very passionate. So, how does passion in, you know, impact on someone's charisma. Passion is huge. I'll just say it this way, that passion more than anything else will recruit the hearts and minds of the people that you're talking to. And leadership expert John Maxwell says that a great leader's courage to fulfill his vision comes from passion, not position. And it's something that we can enhance, something that we can learn. The challenge is a lot of times that we have to look at our blind spot, that we think we're passionate, but other people say, no, that's hype. And if it looks like it's if it looks like it's self generated or you're making it up or you're just going through the motions or there's you're bouncing around the room like that puppy dog, that new puppy dog, that comes across as high. Passion doesn't mean you're jumping all over the place. There's that inner passion that people feel and but when you cross that line to hype you'll have the opposite effect. But we do know when we looked at charismatic people, charismatic leaders, that one of the words that came up time and time again were that passion, enthusiasm. It was tapped into their emotion. It's important because when you have that a passion, people want to jump on board. It's more important, yeah. important than any type of logic that you can give people. We like to think we're logical creatures. We say, well, here are the, the four reasons you should do this, and here are the ten reasons you should do this. And that is something a lot of entrepreneurs do in the wrong way. To them, it's logically so they vomit the right. 14 reasons why they should do it. Right. And they forget that we're emotional creatures, that passion is more important than logic, 
and they were wondering why people never call them back. Yeah, boy, that and, is so true. And they just do it. There's just something when, when you have that passion, people are drawn to you. It's very contagious. They, it's enthusiastic. If people don't get excited about your product or service, it's not them. Okay, it's it is you, and, and you can enhance your charisma by always maintaining your credibility or borrowing credibility, being sincere, always being yeah. authentic, always have the, be able to connect with other people are different ways to enhance your charisma. When you really are a product of your po- product and you know you can change lives, you know that you're a problem solver, you know that you you can help somebody out, that really enhances your passion. Well, and it really then resonates with other people. And it's part of what we were talking about with the caller where it, it's about really being authentic and really you know, you being you, and then when you're energized and enthusiastic about what you do, like you just said, you know, you know you can help people, you know you're a problem solver, that automatically resonates with people. You're not convincing them of anything, you know, because they want to come along with you. It's contagious. It's very contagious. And on a side note there, when when you are perceived as the expert – there's very little persuasion resistance. Why yeah. wouldn't they? In fact, another thing that we've noticed in the world of persuasion influence, because it's changed so much in the last 20 years, is that introverts actually out-persuade extroverts. Really? And that's a big shift, absolutely, because people are so skeptical now that the moment they sense that you're going to try to persuade them to do something, even <laughs> though they need it, want it, like it, and can afford it, it's a perfect fit, they're going to resist you. That's just how people are. They are going to resist you. And when you're an extrovert, you come across as a salesperson a lot of times and you get right. resistance. But when you're an introvert, you're now a consultant. You're asking questions. And, and we know great persuaders ask three times more questions than the average persuader. And when you can ask the right questions, they'll tell you everything you need to know to persuade them. And it's actually a lot easier than the vomit <laughs> or yep. push them into a corner or trying to get them to do what you want them to do. You do you're there the consultant. You're the expert. You are going to solve their problem. It's so interesting because I, I, I was talking to a client who who said to me, Well, you know, I'm an introvert and I said, then you'll be a better salesperson. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just automatic for me because they're, they're sincere and they're not pushy. You know, they're just by nature they're going to be more um Oh, I was just thinking of a word, and it just completely left my head. But, but um, sincere is the word that comes to my mind. But just, just real, you know. They're they're going to be softer spoken, or whatever it is. It's going to be more attractive to the person they're talking to. So it's interesting to hear you say that. I feel a little, you know, confirmation on that. This is, That's absolutely true. That's a big one of the big shifts in the world of persuasion influence. Yeah, it's interesting. So. Um, let me take this moment to remind everyone that today's show is sponsored by Win Cleveland and Vision 21. You can visit www.winncleveland.org to learn more about the networking opportunities for women in Northeast Ohio and www.vision21.org for details on how you can utilize the resources of Vision 21 to grow your business. We are here today with Kurt Mortensen, who is the author of The Laws of Charisma, And we're having a great conversation about this. Just a reminder to everyone listening that if you are in the chat room and you have a question or a comment, you can type it into the chat box, and I'll um, read it out to Kurt. If you're on the phone and you'd like to ask a question or make a comment, you can press 1, and that will let me know that you've got something to say, and I'll unmute you and we can take it from there. If you've made a comment before, um, it still shows, you know, the same symbol, so uh, I have to be honest and say I'm not sure what to do for you except tell you to go into the chat room if you've got something additional you'd like to say. So, we've been talking positive, and I want to go a little on the negative side for a second, because um, you were just talking about how, you know, over the past 20 years, the whole, you know, charisma thing has sort of changed, and it's leaning more towards the introverts and the extroverts, and Along those lines, you know, throughout history, we've had people who, you know, I would say were questionable leaders like David Koresh, Charles Manson, Jim Jones, you know, these people who somehow get people to do awful things. And, and But people would say that they were very charismatic leaders, 
uh, but they, you know, manipulated and coerced a lot. So um, you talk about the charismatic quality of positive power, and I was wondering if you could elaborate on that. Well, you bet. I mean, you could take any of the tools that we talked about today and twist them and manipulate them. And, and I always ask people, okay, well, is we influence good or bad? And I get both responses. And I say, well, is gravity good or bad? <laughs> it depends <laughs> if you're walking or falling from a tree. It, it's neutral. Any any influence technique I could teach could be twisted and, and and used to manipulate people. And people get a little nervous sometimes we talk about it. There have been people out there, like you mentioned, you know, Charles Manson, Koresh, or Jim Jones, these people, they've, they had elements of charisma. They did a lot more intimidation. They did a lot more. Well, we don't need to get into that, but there's certain things that they did that we, we that could really hurt people's psyche and cause people to follow them. But there is a, there is positive power, and people sometimes get nervous when we talk about power. You know, is it good or bad? Yeah. Again, it's neutral. But power is important. Again, power is different than force. Power when you have true power, so when he gives life and energy, but the opposite is force. It takes those away. Like Jim Jones, you read about him, he had force. I mean, what he did was force. It was not that true positive power. And, and power could be a good thing. There are a variety of different things that give people positive power. I mean, for example, a simple thing like authority power. If you're the, the boss, if you're the leader, that gives you a certain form of power. Now, people right. use that. They could say, do it or you're fired. Right. Now, is that true influence? No, it's manipulation, yeah. that's coercion, but does it work? And the answer is absolutely it works for the short term. There's short-term right. compliance versus the long-term resentment, but most people don't have that many tools. And that's one of my big messages is the average entrepreneur only has three to four persuasion tools. Okay. And I've identified over 100. And what this means is, as Maslow says, if the only tool in your toolbox is a hammer – you're going to treat everyone like a nail. Yeah. And so your job is to get more tools. And one of those tools could be your authority power. It could be title power. We know that most, not saying this is fair, most CEOs are over six foot. There's a form of power with how tall you are, how deep your voice is, the physical surroundings of your office, the knowledge power. There's something about knowledge power. You're, the lawyer knows more than you. Even your mechanic has a form of power because of their knowledge. And your mechanic says, you know what, your blinker fluid's low. And you're like, blinker fluid? <laughs> it doesn't exist. Sometimes, again, that can be used for good or bad, that knowledge power. But, it, again, there's positive forms of power. We're not talking about coercion or manipulation or what Al Capone, the famous gangster, said. He said, you can get pretty far with a nice word, but you get much further with a nice word and a gun. <laughs> so, And that's why, why it's neutral. What power does is it increases your ability to influence. A police officer's gun yeah. increases their ability to influence you. A lawyer's degree, a mechanic's knowledge, the because they're the boss, because they're the CEO, all these different factors, because it says Esquire, because it says President, all those are different factors that are forms of power. Interesting. So... Uh, if, if the average entrepreneur has only three or four persuasion tools, are they the same three to four, or do they vary by entrepreneur? Oh, you know they, what I mean? Uh, they vary. I mean, some entrepreneurs will have a few more. Some will just have one. The ones that most people have, and it's pretty obvious, here's the example I like to use. Let's say you've you've read a magazine about Cook, you have you have a children at home, you have two children at home, and this magazine says, look, you need to cook more. Uh, I may ask you, what is the worst vegetable out there? Uh, uh, the worst vegetable, Brussels sprouts? There we go. There's the number one answer. So Brussels sprouts. So you read an article that you need to feed little Johnny Jr., who's five, more Brussels sprouts, or you're a bad parent because it's going to stop <laughs> this and vitamins, and you feel guilty as a parent, so you run to the grocery stores, you buy Brussels sprouts, you cook them for little Johnny Jr., you put them on his plate, and he say, eat your Brussels sprouts. And what's Johnny Jr. going to say? Forget it. Yeah, no, he smells it, and he's like, no way. And so here's the parent or entrepreneur, here's the skills that you learn. And you're like, okay, you do the data dump. Well, antioxidants and vitamin C and hair in your chest, a better football player, they're like, No. Yeah. All right, okay, what's my next tool? Oh, I know. 
You do the people skills. Come on, I'm your friend. We do all these things together. We love each other. Come on. And you've got the phone call from people before where they're trying to be nice. You know they want something from you. It's so obvious. And it's obvious to them, too. And then you're like, oh, that didn't work. And then you take out your next persuasion tool, which is usually, look, if you eat your Brussels sprouts, I'm going to give you some ice cream. (laughs) A little barter, a little trade. They still say no. Then the last one for parents is, look, you eat those or else. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the last tool. And, and adults change those a little bit, but for the most part, they try their people skills, they try the data dump, they try, and it just doesn't work, and they get frustrated because they don't have the right tools. They don't, they're not customizing their techniques to that person, and this is a huge factor in people's success. Because when I ask people how much money they've lost in their business with their inability to persuade, it's well into the millions of dollars because they, they start this business, get the fax machine and do this and do all these other things, but they're forgetting the vital skills that if people don't say yes, if people don't do business with you, it's very difficult to stay in business. Pretty much. That is for sure. So um, customizing for the, the audience, and I'd like to talk about this a little bit because I think this is probably difficult for people. and. You know, I know I've gone through the, you know, NLP, you know, where you're supposed to mm-hmm. look at how the person across the table from you is behaving and, and mirror their behavior, which, you know, is hard to do. I, I mean, I, not for some people. I'm sure for some people it's relatively simple. But um, how does someone, I mean, I guess I'd like you to talk a little more about that customization thing so that people have a better understanding of, I don't know what that looks like or how they can do it. Or... Well, the big piece, that's a great question. The big piece is being aware that you're stuck in a rut, being aware that you need more tools, being aware that you always see, leave the same voicemail, that you you always give the same presentation, and sometimes yeah. it works and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, even a blind pig can find food. You can give the same presentation, and eventually someone's going to say yes. Right. So you want, I mean, I tell entrepreneurs all the time, look, you want to double your income, there's two ways to do that. You can work twice as hard or double your persuasion skills. I mean, right. really, that's what it gets down to. And if you yeah. want to talk about mirror and matching, which is important, that's a, with, you're accelerating a natural human process when you're mirror matching. But it's not just their body language. It's also their energy. Too many people complain when persuaders come in and they're like, hey, it's a great day today. How are you doing? The person's like, hey. it's just it's too, <laughs> too, too much, fast. Right? It's too fast. Monday morning without your coffee, this person's bouncing all over the wall, mirroring words and mirroring other things, and and that's a function of it too. But really understanding personalities. If you're leaving a message, for example, listen to what the person is saying. When the person says, hey, it's Bob, you know the drill. What does that tell you about the person? What does that yeah. tell you what your message should be like? If the person says, hey, this is Sally, it's sorry I missed your call, really want to talk to you, and there's music playing in the background, okay, what does that tell you? Right. Those should be completely different messages. The way oh, you walk into someone's point? office, walk into someone's office, what do you see? All those things come into play. But you can, you can pick people pretty fast when you just listen and take notes. We're so concerned about vomiting all the things that we need to and and truly not listening. And I want to talk about listening. I'm talking about listening with your ears, your eyes, and your heart. But when you can truly listen and ask the right questions and read them, then all of a sudden the doors of influence swing wide open instead of doing your standard pitch, your standard voicemail. Then the, and sure, that works for you some of the time, but if you can just change this right. and just this, and all of a sudden we're doubling and tripling your success. Right. And you're not working harder. Exactly. You're working less. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's everyone's goal. We're all working too hard. Let's right. work less. Let's work a little right. smarter. And really being present. I mean, I, I think this is so interesting to me because we're talking about this and I'm realizing that I think one of the reasons why person A thinks the person B is charismatic is because person B is really present in the moment and really listening to them and absorbing what they're saying and, and looking them in the eye and all of those things. So when you were talking before about that empowerment thing, that's very empowering for people because it makes them feel valued. And that's, you're right on. And that was one of the sections that I, I put in with just your delivery and communication is the ability to listen. And yeah. our knee-jerk reaction is, well, I can listen. I say, well, no, you can hear. 
right. truly want to listen, you're going to look at body language. You're going to sense their, their subconscious triggers. You're going to feeling. And one of the top trainings for a Fortune 500 company used to be listening training, but nobody would come. Even though that's the major cause of divorce, <laughs> the major cause of problems, nobody listens. They can hear. In school, we're taught to hear and yep. regurgitate on a test, but that's not truly listening. Again, with your ears, your eyes, and your heart, it's one of those factors that we've never arrived at. It takes a lot of concentration, a lot of energy. We're so concerned about what to say next. And right. here, here's a big factor that people can use right now is, you know, confidence is a big thing, but a lot of times we cross that line to cockiness, and here's what people really complain about. I'll bet your listeners hear the same objections over and over again every day. And so when they're talking to somebody, they have an objection, and they're going to good time management, they're going to cut them off and give them the answer. Yeah. The challenge is the moment you do that, you've lost your ability to persuade that person because now you're coming across as all-knowing and cocky. That's right. the first time they've ever voiced that objection let them finish off. That's, that's the first challenge. The second challenge is research shows that 60% of the time, objections you hear, too expensive, can't afford it, no time, talk to a spouse, those are lies anyway. Right. They're trying to get rid of you, so you're either solving the wrong objection, or even if you are, you've cut them off. Yeah. And why would they listen to you anyway? Because you weren't truly listening. Now, you right. probably knew the right answer. It was great time management, but you've lost the ability to persuade that person. So in the long run, it's bad time management because you've got to find another person to do business with you. That is such a great point. Boy, I really hope everyone heard that. that truly, that is... It's so funny, and I never would have thought about that, but that is exactly what people do. They they presume that they know what the person is about to say, and they think they're really going to impress them and persuade them by knowing what they were going to, like reading their mind, which people really don't like, and you're usually wrong anyway. Exactly, but we all do. We, like, oh. we do, yeah. Wow. It's really <laughs> in, invaluable. So, and, you know, part of what I like about this, and, you know, it's part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you today is because it's so, it's all about um, the sales process, which we're doing all the time anyway, and, it, you know, it's about how you're interacting with other people. And I think a lot of times what business owners don't realize, you know, who are involved in the sale process because they have to be involved in it, what they don't realize is they're always interacting with people. So they're they're always selling and they're always in a position to persuade the right way, you know, and in a way that's positive for them and for the other person so that it's a good fit. Absolutely. We're always in that position. We're always influencing. We're always persuading. And we can't we can't forget that. That's a huge piece of business because if we can't influence people to do business with us, it's going to be a long haul. Boy, no kidding, and it's not going to end well. So, I want to make sure we talk about um, what you call contagious cooperation because, you know, it has to do with um, one of my favorite topics, which is, you know, goodwill and, you know, doing good and doing things just for the sake of doing them as opposed to doing them for a different outcome, you know, that you want. So can you share with us, like, um, specific ways that – well, first I want you to explain really what you mean by contagious cooperation, and then ways that charismatic people um, empower others and, you know, about empathy and goodwill and all that stuff. You, you bet. I mean, contagious cooperation is, they, again, they want to be around you. They want to help you out. They they want to l- take a hold of the project, and, and that's contagious cooperation, which is critical to your success and your happiness. And the part of that is your ability to empower others. They have to be able to see themselves doing it. And that's a big persuasion blunder when they talk about a product or service. If people can't see themselves using it, if they can't if you when you talk about your vision or empowering others, if they can't see it, taste it, touch it, and feel it, it's not really going to to help them out. And part of that is that, that connection, that people skills, the empathy, the goodwill, uh, understanding people's self esteem. And that's a huge one. Self esteem is an all time low. And Part of becoming a charismatic person is boosting someone's self-esteem. And the definition of self-esteem is how much you like yourself. And they get them to see themselves doing it, like themselves more, realizing that that it's, you know, there'll be a few bumps along the way and that's okay, but the long run things will work out. 
that is a big factor. And again, that goodwill, the way you criticize people, the way you do you criticize the competition. That's one that we that a lot of rookies make the mistake of. They criticize the competition or their previous employer and when you do that, people will not do business with you. They right. don't like that. It gives them a bad feeling. You have to give them tools to find out for themselves if it's a bad company. But if you do it, you've lost the ability to do that. And, again, the way you treat personality A versus personality B is going to be very, very different with that. But if you could truly learn to listen and to have empathy with people, and that's one of the skills that can be learned. I mean, truly putting yourself in their shoes, the doors of influence swing right open, and they want to be around you. They 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 want to feel better about themselves. Again, that self-esteem factor is huge to really understand that when you praise somebody, it does a lot, not only for you, but it does something for them. And the last time I checked, praise was free. Yeah. Now, here's the ironic thing about praise, and there's there's a formula to do it, but, but most people don't praise others because of their own low self-esteem. Ah, that's interesting. <laughs> and... And there are certain ways to do that, but that's more a place where people start. Sincere, genuine praise, finding something positive, what they did that day. Uh, such a simple thing, but most people are doing it. People are so hungry for a compliment. They're so hungry. Even if it's not true, it still tends to work. Not that I recommend that. It's called ingradiation. <laughs> but I'm just saying we're so hungry for attention, for praise, to be part of the group. If you look at the top five complaints in the workplace um, from employees against the boss. Yeah. None of it's not money. It's not money. They're all ego and esteem related. Criticizing yeah. me in public, not being part of the team, ridiculing my ideas. You know, those are all ego and esteem related because when people feel part of that team, part of the group, when they feel that the, that you can really boost their energy and their esteem, wow, you're charismatic and they'll do anything for you. It's really, uh, it's it's so great and and absolutely so true. And and it and it is also. Um, translates over to your relationships with your clients. You know, when Dan Kennedy did a study and found out that 68% of clients who leave leave because they didn't feel appreciated, you know, it's the same paying attention, making someone feel valued, you know. They all touch each other, and, you know, you don't want to have to be replacing clients all the time because you weren't paying any attention to them. And it's such a simple thing. We think, well, I provided a great product, I provided a great service. No, they need a little loving. Okay, they need a little love and a pat on the back. If there's something about you know touch and the right doing the right handshake and all these things, or factor the subconscious triggers, it could be a birthday card, a phone call. All these things come into play, yeah. and we forget to do that because we hey, I provided the service. Well, I was I did everything they asked. Well, we got to go above and beyond that if you want to keep them as a customer. Exactly, it's not just about the the thing. So let's. I want to make sure that we cover blind spots. I I know we've. You know, talked about some in our conversation, but are there any, you know, major blunders that we haven't really touched on that that you want to make sure people are aware of? I think the biggest blunders where people tend to rate themselves higher than they actually are is people yeah. skills, listening. They say they're confident, but their 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 prospect will say no. They were cocky. The biggest issue here is to realize how you rate yourself is very different than how other people rate themselves. In fact, when we do long seminars, like a three-day training, one of the first things we do is we have people stand up after about an hour, and we have them introduce themselves to the whole audience while the audience judges them on their first impressions of that person. Now, that might make you a little nervous, but that would be worth a lot of money to most people because we don't know how we're coming across. Maybe you're right. smart. Maybe you're not so smart. Maybe you come across as confident. Maybe you come across as cocky. And there's, those are easy things to fix when you know. Yeah. But but in our mind, no, we're doing okay. We we rate, And we tend to rate ourselves much higher than we actually yeah. are in those areas where we think that we need to do that, whether it's our persuasion skills. That's one area where people tend to rate themselves higher than they actually are. Or trust. Because just because you're a trustworthy person does not mean people trust you. That's like interesting. 20, 20 years ago, it was I trust you, give me a reason not to. Now when you mean to prospect it's i don't trust you give me a reason to trust you and that's a big shift too and that's another one again i'm glad you're a good person i'm glad you're trustworthy i'm glad you're going to do everything you say but they don't see it that way you have to build that trust earn that trust and that's another big blind spot for people especially entrepreneurs wow no kidding that you know 
another really great piece of information and a valuable lesson for people to learn because, you know, so many times we we want to accelerate that process because we've got our own needs in our head. You know, I have to make the rent. I have to pay my employees. I have to, I have to, I have to. And And so our focus completely shifts to our needs and away from our prospects' needs. And making sure that we're building a relationship with them, you know, it's the old people do business, people they know, like, and trust. And they also, you know, my other favorite one, which is they buy you first, your product second, and the company third. So it's you, you, you all the time. All the time. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so and one of the things that I also love, I have to say, that you've been talking about is um, – the, the the fine line between confident and cocky, which I'm not sure people realize when they've stepped over that line. Is there, and you may not know the answer to this, and so feel free to tell me, you know, I'm sort of barking up the wrong tree, but are are there things people can, are there like little triggers for people so that they can, identify, you'd said something before about, you know, the person you don't like, don't be that person, you know, which is one of my favorite things. But are there little triggers that people can pay attention to in themselves so they see the bad stuff coming and can stop it or quickly turn it around if they start doing it, do you think? Oh, absolutely. If they start learning to read people and if people aren't returning phone calls, if they're not doing business with you, if they're going to your competitor, then you have to take a look on the inside and say, okay, yeah. maybe there's some issues here, some things that I can work on. And, you know, confidence is one of those, obviously. You, you, your way you take criticism or, or, or feedback, uh, spending more time listening than talking would be one. All these factors come into play just being aware that, Okay, are they not returning calls? Are they not doing business with you? Do they go to your competitor? Are people not doing, your employees not doing things you're asking them to do? Can you feel like they're talking behind you, behind your back? A lot of those factors, if you're aware, uh, will say, okay, maybe I need to fine-tune some of these skills and change it up so I get better results. Right. Right, yeah, good point. Wow. So, oh, wait, um, ex-loan guy says, when you feel like it's all about you, then it probably is, and your prospect can smell it. Absolutely. And, yeah. And that's right on is when they feel it's about you. And that's even if, if you feel it's not true, if you're not listening, if you tend to vomit, yeah. if you cut them off in the middle of their objection, if they give you a little feedback and you shoot them down, yeah. the, the, if they feel like you asked a question and you made them feel stupid, which, again, you probably didn't mean to, but they did. It goes back to the school days where you're like, oh, I'm sorry I asked that question. <laughs> and all those factor into your ability to really become charismatic and influential. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Great. So, um I mean, we've talked so much about so many things. Is there, you know, one thing? I mean, if you had to pick one thing that you wanted your readers to take away from the book, is is there one standout point, or are there, you know, actions? I mean, I just feel like we, we've we've touched on so many really valuable points that I'm hoping everyone, you know, took a lot of notes and wrote down, but is, is there any big shining point you want people to walk away with? Well, I think the big ones that we've, we've mentioned, that first of all, this is such a big factor in your success and your income, number yeah. one. Number two, yes, it can be learned. Some skills might take you two days, some might take you two months, but it can be learned and, you, and just add a little bit at a time, pace yourself on those things. And then the third one I just want to reemphasize is that the, the number we mentioned earlier, the 95%, that up to 95% of influence involves that subconscious trigger. It could be the color when they walk into your store. It could be what you're wearing. Blue tends to be mo the most credible color. It could be a smell, a gesture, a word choice. All those things come into play when you're in attempting to influence, and we need to be aware of those. We need to learn to read people, learn to listen, or ask more questions. And then it becomes fun and it becomes easy. It's not something that we dread, and you'll see a big difference in, in what you're able to accomplish and in the growth of your business. 
Well, that's really just fabulous, and it's so great because it is so timely, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that we're heading into this new year where the economy is starting to tick up, and we want to all be riding that wave, but we have to remember that it's our responsibility, you know, it's how we interact with other people, it's how we choose to move forward, and and I love that, you know, not only, you know, the idea that people can learn these things, but, you know, some of what's so valuable about your book, you know, just so people really hear this is you break it down and you put you have takeaways and you have things for people to think about and exercises and you know lists of things that you know triggers and things that they can sort of you know like i'm not suggesting they cut your book up but they could like cut out and take with them really you know or, or print and carry around with them so that it really gives people you know actionable steps that they can take to master the areas that they don't, you know, that they haven't mastered yet. You know, if there's anyone who feels like they need to really, you know, work on their building their charisma so that they have more of an impact on, you know, the people that they're interacting with, there's really great uh, tools and resources just within your book that they can use. It's really... And that, that was and that was my whole goal to be able to break it down. That and if they want to rip it up, that that's fine too. If they want to rip that. Okay, this is the the skill I'm working with this week, and look at it every day, and try it, and fine tune it, and practice it, and that that's a big part of your success. And that would work very very well for people. Yeah, yeah, it's really great. I love the layout. You know, you can tell that you gave a lot of thought to um, the process of how the you know the 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 format of the book, and you know from a to B, how you laid it out. It's it's really, really valuable. Now, is there anything you've got going on? Are you coming out with a new book? Do you have anything you want to share with our listeners about anything to watch out for? Are you doing any sort of trainings or anything? Uh, we do a lot of you know trainings around the country, and you know if they want to to take a look, the the book offers a lot of special bonuses. In fact, if people want to buy multiple books or get some free gifts and free bonuses for purchasing the book, they can go to lawsofcharisma.com. And uh, check that out. Give a lot of a lot of free gifts for those that are purchasing the book or multiple copies of the book. And we're we're always doing tra- training on it. But I think the big factor is is realize that you know I'm passionate about this. This skill should be taught in school. The I agree. Persuade yourself to be able to persuade others. Charisma. I mean, these are vital life skills. This will make such the biggest difference. If you want to have a great year, you want to become recession proof. These are the skills that make the biggest difference. Yeah. Yeah, boy, you are you are so right, and absolutely, uh, you know, more and more people need to realize how valuable. The, and it's funny because I don't think you think about it. You go, oh, charisma, that's what she's got. You know, you don't think about it. Good for them. They got charisma. No, 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 no. You need to learn that too. It is good for them, but let's make it good for you too. Exactly. That is exactly right. Well, Kurt, I thank you so much for joining me today and, and my audience and giving us just a wealth of information. Uh, really fabulous. I encourage everyone to go out and, and pick the book up. Go to lawsofcharisma.com uh, where you can get the book and other stuff as well. Uh, I'd like to thank you all for taking the time out of your day-to-day to be with us. Um, for those of you who are in the greater Cleveland area, I do hope that you will join me at the Barnes & Noble in Mentor on Sunday the 23rd at 2 p.m. for a book signing. Uh, There we're going to be talking about Lemonade Stand sales strategies, and I'll be signing copies of my book, Lemonade Stand Selling. Uh, Remember our sponsors today. Please visit www.wincleveland.com and www.vision21.org to learn more about them. Our next show will be on January 24th uh, when um, I have two guests. One will be Murray Smith, and he will be talking with us about better ways to market and sell. And we were going to have um, Kathleen Schulweiss with us to talk about the art and science of public speaking, but she's run into a family situation. So we're going to have Sue Helke of Training at Work, and she's going to be talking with us about something around a training i just reached out to her before today's show so we haven't quite nailed down the topic but feel free to continue to visit the show um page on blog talk radio blogtalkradio.com slash d helbig so that you can learn more about upcoming shows and and join us for those 
Thank you, everyone. Have a fabulous day. Have a wonderful week, and keep working on that charisma so you can be successful. Bye-bye. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years' experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.